So we lay everything out on the table. Like you got to row the boat when you're here. If you don't want to row the boat, but you want to mow the grass, then this probably isn't the place for you. So we lay everything on the table. That when they get here, it's exactly what they picked. They watch practice. It's exactly how we practice. We don't have recruiting practices. It's a practice. They got to know exactly what they're getting themselves into, and it's got to fit. Hey now, it's cracking. Welcome back to my favorite side hustle of all time, the Jim Rohn Podcast. This week, I'm joined for episode 264 by a jungle mainstay making his return to the original side hustle. My guest, Minnesota Golden Gophers head football coach, PJ Fleck. PJ is a former Big Ten Coach of the Year, two-time MAC Coach of the Year. He led one of the all-time college football turnarounds at Western Michigan, and he brings an unparalleled level of passion and energy to absolutely everything he does. And believe me, he does not disappoint this time either. This is why I love this guy. So let's get right to it. It is episode 264 of the Jim Rome Podcast with Minnesota football coach PJ Fleck, and it's coming at you right now. DJ, your spring game is right around the corner. I know you've got a young team this year. So first things first, PJ, how you living? How you feeling right now? Man, I'm doing elite. Thanks for having us back on the show as always, Jim. Always good to have you. So I mentioned the young team. I think people probably don't know that much about the team, at least not until they see it. What can you tell me, PJ, about this group and what do you like about it? Well, first of all, yeah, we are a little more inexperienced. I mean, we lose a lot of uh, starters that were here five, six, seven years, uh, but we're really talented and yeah, we've done a really good job recruiting and bringing in the right fit and then uh, selected the right players that fit our culture. And there's a lot of talent on this football team. It just needs time to, to grow. Uh, we got to break in a lot of new positions, but if you came by and looked at our football team and off the eyeball test, you wouldn't think we're really young. Um, you would just think we've reloaded. And I think that's, what's been the whole message for our, our guys is uh, we just got to keep getting better. And we've got to make sure that they gain that experience in the offseason through spring ball, through situational football, as fast and efficiently as possible. So come September, we might still be a little young and inexperienced, but we don't play like it. All right. So that sounds like you. That sounds like your brand. That sounds like your culture. And also, PJ, pretty much everything starts, not everything being everything, but everything starts under center, of course. What blows me away is essentially you've only really had two quarterbacks in your 10 years as a head coach. How wild is that? And what was that like? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, that is pretty wild. I don't think there's many coaches that can say that. Uh, And they're both about six foot, six one, maybe. Um, they both did historic things at the schools that they were at. You know, Zach uh, Terrell at Western Michigan went from one and eleven to thirteen and zero, and thirteen and one took us to the Cotton Bowl and won the Campbell Trophy. And and then Tanner Morgan here at Minnesota is the all-time winningest quarterback in the history of our school, uh, and two of the best people you'll ever want to meet. Uh, you know, both married, uh, both just incredible human beings. Are going to be great fathers and and husbands and. Uh, really proud of those guys. And now we kind of venture into to uncharted uh, water really for a long time and, and, and breaking in a new quarterback and Ethan Calicomanis and who played at the end of the year for us, did a great job as a redshirt freshman. And then Cole Kramer are really in, uh, like I said, a quarterback battle. And that's what you always love. Uh, Ethan's get a, got a little bit more experience of playing true quarterback. Cole was a little bit more of our, our wildcat type quarterback, but has really developed into a really good quarterback. So 
Um, you know, it, it's really exciting uh, because, you know, our offense has really been the same over the last 11 years. However, you adapt it based on what type of skill fits. And, um, you know, in 2019, we threw it a lot more. Last year and the year before, we ran it a lot more. So this year, we've been able to kind of play to our player strengths and highlight the quarterback maybe a little bit more than we have in the past. You know, PG, I know that also in terms of both those guys, I know you like their intangibles as well. So let me ask you, how important do you view the quarterback in terms of leadership? And what I mean by that, not just in terms of leading the offense, but also for setting a tone for the entire team, the defense and special teams as well. Yeah, I think that's the hardest part and the hardest challenge, especially when you're at a program like ours that we pride ourselves on a developmental program taking two, three-star players and turning them into first, second-round draft picks. And um, we've had a great history of that the last few years. Uh, but I think that that's that's one of the biggest challenges right now is, uh, you know, we've got to be able to find the time uh, and be able to find the ability to get our guys to be able to play better um, and play in that situational football. We don't have a ton of time doing it. And uh, that's what spring ball is for. And, and we're going to keep doing it at a high level and uh, keep running our program that way. And, you know, we talk about having a tough football team and having tough young men uh, and toughness isn't about being macho. You know, you're bringing in the right type of players and the right type of, of people. And it's not about recruiting. It's about selecting, but selecting the right fit that fit us. And we're looking for really tough players that can control their emotions and, and really control their lives. They can be committed to each other. They can challenge themselves and others and then be confident in the quarterback position. You have to lead the entire team. And, and, and that takes, you got to help people do that. I mean, it's one thing as new quarterbacks getting the play, getting the protection, beating the play clock, throwing a good ball, running the offense. But then you got to go over there and tell the defense how good of a job they're doing, understand why to everything, be involved in every play, be involved in special teams, and really set the tone of what our program expects you to be on and off the field. Um, and there is no such thing, I think, as a really quiet leader. Um, there's a great, great uh, interview with Mike Krzyzewski and LeBron James where they talk about activation voice. And Mike Krzyzewski told LeBron James, the best thing you can bring to this Olympic team is your voice, which I thought was kind of surprising. The one thing Mike Krzyzewski said, and that's what a quarterback has to have. They have to have that activation voice where they can control the whole team with their voice and their actions. But when they speak, everybody listens. So we're working on that as we go forward through spring. I like that phrase a lot, an activation voice. So going back to what you said, PJ, about you don't recruit as much as you select. What is the difference? And then is the selection process a two-way street? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. You know, I, I, we don't believe in recruiting because I don't want to get a kid here and trick a kid here and get a kid here that doesn't fit. The worst thing you can do is get a kid that doesn't fit. And now with the transfer portal, it's easier to transfer, but if a kid's buying something or picking something that he thinks real and isn't real, and then he gets there, it's not good for anybody. It's not good for him. It's not good for them. It might be good for recruiting rankings, but it's not good for the long run. Where With us, we select. We tell them academically, athletically, socially, and spiritually, what is the expectation? You know, there's a difference between climate and culture, right? And the number one thing of that is accountability, holding people accountable. And all I do is ask every player, what do you want to do? What do you want this coach to do for you? Where, what, where do you want this stage coach that I am to take you from where you are to where you want to be? Where do you want to end up? Where do you want me to help take you? And all I do is hold those players accountable for everything they say they want in their life. So that way, the culture matches that. You know, you're going to do really well academically. Your, 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 your academics need to be important to you. 
Socially, you got to be willing to do all the right things when you're not here. Spiritually, you want you believe it in something bigger than yourself. That's all. And then, and then athletically, if you want to go play in the NFL, we'll, we'll make that, we'll help you make that happen. If you want to go own your own business, we'll help make that happen. But football has got to be really important too. So I think that's the number one thing when you're talking selection is, you know, we tell them all our expectations up front and we get recruited against because of that. Oh, you don't have to come here. You don't have to sit in the first two rows. You can sit wherever you want in class. Okay. Well, that person's probably not the right fit for us. So we lay everything out on the table. Like you got to row the boat when you're here. If you don't want to row the boat, but you want to mow the grass, then this probably isn't the place for you. So we lay everything on the table that when they get here, it's exactly what they picked. They watch practice. It's exactly how we practice. We don't have recruiting practices. It's a practice. They got to know exactly what they're getting themselves into. And it's got to fit. If it fits, you'll be able to get the most out of yourself in every area of your life for the time here. And when the time you leave. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? So, PJ, what you just said is really interesting, all of it. But that point about, hey, listen, you don't need to sit in the front two rows. You can sit wherever you want. Let me ask you this, you know, kind of a sidebar, but are we getting a little soft as a society? Are we getting a little too comfortable being comfortable? And finally, do many of us want to hear what we want to hear instead of what we need to hear? Well, I think human beings in general are, are, are kind of like water, right? We kind of go to the path of least resistance. Uh, we kind of fill in the cracks. I think naturally, as a species, we're made that way. And then the easier we make it for that to happen, the more we want of that. So what we do is just hold people to incredibly high standards. And we're not going to come down from those standards because most people want to come down from that standard when it gets really hard. It gets really tough. Well, that's what Row the Boat's all about. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're experiencing, all you got to do is keep your oar in the water. And guess what? Some days you can row a lot harder than others. But if you just put your oar in the water, this too shall pass as well. And I think that, you know, as, as a society, we can do that. We, we can enable certain things to happen because we don't want to put the work in ourselves. And I would never ask my player something I wouldn't do myself. And I think our staff is the same way. And, you know, like I said, I'm not for everybody, but neither is any head coach. Not all head coaches for every player. Not every player is for every head coach. Not every program is for every player. Not every player is for every program. I just like to be able to say it and make sure we have the right fit before we get into a place where we have to like perform at a high level with incredible accountability together. So I think it's a mixture of a lot of things. And I think that's why culture 
uh, is so important. But I go back to what I told you, Jim, too, is that that might be the case of society, but all I'm doing, Jim, is holding that person accountable for what they said they want. Not what I said I wanted for their life, what they said they wanted for their life. And everybody wants something and they dream about having something. However, you got to be careful what you wish for because 90% of the time it will come true. Most of the time when we want something to happen and we work for something, it happens, but then we don't know what to do with it when we have it. We don't know how to keep it. We don't know how to protect it. We don't know how to make it better. We don't know how to change our best. And I think that's critical when you're dealing with, you know, 17 to 24 year old young men. You know, PJ, you just said that you're not for everybody. I mean, I would say the same thing about me. I mean, nobody's for everybody. Not every coach will wear a tie on the sideline. In fact, almost none will. But you, I love the story behind this because I know the story behind this. But for those who do not, why do you wear a tie on the sideline when virtually nobody else will? Well, it's not because I'm narcissistic and egotistical. That's for sure. I I, I love fashion, but I, I don't want to wear a tie at 95 degree weather. I don't think anybody does. Right. However, I got into this. Prof- I taught sixth grade social studies. I have an elementary education degree. Um, I played in the NFL somehow, some way for two and a half years. And the two men that are the most influential men in my life to this day is Mike Nolan and Jim Tressel. And Mike Nolan wore a coat and tie on the sideline. And he was a head coach of the 49ers when I played for him. And then Jim Tressel wore a sweater vest and a tie on the sideline. And Mike Nolan cut me, actually, and actually offered me a coaching job the minute he cut me. And I never really thought that much about coaching, like truly into it, because I have no connections in coaching. My dad didn't coach. My uncle didn't coach. I don't have a long lineage of football in my family. I mean, I'm 5'9", 180 pounds. That's not exactly like prototypical NFL you know, prospect. So but when I played in the NFL, I got offered a job and then I was going to take the job. But then Jim Tressel had a job opening as an offensive GA. So he called his fraternity brother. Well, his fraternity brother coached me and he goes, we well, should hire PJ Fleck. His name was Mike Sabach. So Jim Tressel never met me and just hired me on the spot because I could get into grad school. And that's how I got my starting coaching. So without getting cut that particular day, that moment, that horrible thing that happened to me at that time. Instead, turned out to be the greatest blessing of my life. And I got around and, and, and got transparency and honesty from the greatest, one of the greatest men in my lives, Mike Nolan. And then Jim Tressel took a shot on me and never met me, but trusted the people that he knew who knew me. And that's how, like, that, that's, that's why it's so important just to do your best. You never know who's watching. And because of that, I became a coach. And now I'm a head coach, you know, my 11th year being a head coach. And if it wasn't for those two men... I wouldn't be where I am. So it's not because of me that I am where I am. It's because those guys gave me a chance to be me. And so every day on game day, I represent them. I show uh, gratitude to them. And that's my way of showing them every day that um, I wouldn't be where I am without you too. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. I love that story so much. You know, that point, 
PJ, about Mike Nolan and how he had that tough conversation with you and he was totally transparent with you. It's not what you wanted to hear, of course, but you appreciated it. That was then. This is now. Look, I understand that there's certain things that are timeless, but the world has changed. I wonder, with things being what they are right now and the transfer portal being what it is, like I hear what you're saying. It's a selection process and there has to be a good fit, but knowing that players can up and leave if they want, how much more challenging is it to hold them to that standard, even if they say they want it, and to be transparent and have those tough conversations when you know they can just say, peace, I'm out? Oh, I think it's incredibly difficult. I don't think there's any way of sugarcoating that. I think it's very, very difficult uh, because it challenges you morally and ethically every day to uphold the standard of what you believe in. And uh, we're very transparent with our players, very honest with our players, whether they want to hear that part or not. I think delivery is critical um, in leadership. I think that the way you deliver certain information is critical. Timing is critical. And I think just being able to have, you know, trust between players to players, coach to coach, coach to player and player to coach is critical in 2023. And if you don't have that, it doesn't matter what you say. Uh, But we're very transparent here. We're very honest about it. But I think it's way more difficult to uphold that standard because the first thought is, okay, if I discipline this kid for this, will he leave? Well, you've got to stand on some type of moral ground and and you've got to put the culture first because culture we define as connecting people. And the minute you compromise the culture, you're going to disconnect people. So if you have a, if you disconnect people in football, you have a disconnected locker room, disconnected locker rooms don't make good teams. So nothing comes before the culture. I work for the same culture that I created, just like the players. The only difference between me and the players is I make the ultimate decision at the very end for the entire program. But my players have a massive voice. I meet with 30 players from freshmen all the way through seniors every day. It's kind of like my own players union. And we keep tabs on each other and see what's going on. See the pulse of the team. See what they need. See what everybody's talking about from a student-athlete perspective, not only on the football team, but at the University of Minnesota. Not only at University of Minnesota, just as student-athletes around the country. So I'm very close to my team. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to have guys transfer. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to have every single person in here happy. Uh, It's part of it. Um, You have 120 young people. Uh, We have a hard enough time raising four children of our own, let alone 120 that aren't our own. But it is human nature um, to have those feelings. You just have to be able to to stand on some type of moral ground. And our moral ground is our culture. I think that's awesome what you just said. It's tough enough to raise four of our own kids without having to raise 120 that aren't our kids. You know, this notion, PJ, of culture, I'm glad you brought this up again. I want to ask you, because the next coach that I speak to in any sport that does not mention culture or the culture of the program will be the first. Help me with this. We always talk about it. We always hear about it. What exactly does culture mean, or how would you define it? Well, we define it. It's, we simply define it as connecting people. That's all cultures, right? This, this We're not running something where this is the only thing you have to believe in. We give people, ba- we give our team baseline definitions of what things can mean in, in a very basic way. And then you can build your beliefs from there. But this is when you hear the word, I want them to know, okay, culture. Oh, Coach Fleck has a lot of sayings. He has a lot of rules. He has a lot of expectations. He has a lot of, he has, you know, he has a lot of standards. I mean, what elite company doesn't? And if you want to be elite, why wouldn't you want those? And culture connects people. That's all it does. 
I mean, your religion, you believe in something and that connects you. That's a certain culture. Um, you know, your, your neighborhood is a culture. Um, your, your background is a culture. Uh, teams have their own locker room culture. And it's really your way of connecting each other. And we want to connect people that are like-minded, not the same, not equal, just like-minded, meaning they want to be their best, Jim. Because I think so many people want to be the best. I want to be the highest paid. I want to be the best. I mean, LeBron James is still proving that he's maybe the best basketball player that ever lived. That's subjective. But if LeBron James focuses on being his best, he can actually be his best. I can't focus on being the best team in the NCAA. That's still subjective. I can focus on our team being the best we can be. And that's what cultures do. They get, they get you to be the best you can be. And in our culture, we connect people by all four areas. We want them to love their entire life. Football is a piece of their life. This is a life program. This is a life culture that connects people, like-minded people, who want to accomplish extraordinary things in their life. And I'm not talking just money or materialistic things or status or a job. I'm talking about whatever your dream is and whatever that is, we're going to go get it done. And I think that there's not enough of that right now. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back that you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though, see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. No, there's not. Like, PJ, you and I, we've known each other a long, long time. And I'm not going to say you haven't changed because, of course, you have. You've evolved. That's the whole point. But what hasn't changed, I don't think, is your passion and your energy. If we could bottle this, we could make a whole lot of dough. I want to ask, where does it come from and how do you maintain it and then build upon it? Because as we get older and we put in these hours and there's more and more pressure, it's a hard thing to maintain and build upon. How have you done so? How do you do that? Well, there's a lot of things. One, you know, I, I, I have incredible faith and uh, I lean on that an awful lot. Two, I was always the runt growing up. Yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, I was, I was 5'9", 150 pounds coming out of high school, set a bunch of Illinois State receiving records, and I had no offers out of high school. And so I've always had to go prove myself to myself. I never had to prove myself to someone else, but I always was the overachiever. I had to do a little more. I had to do a little extra. I had to love it so much that I did it even when I didn't have to do it. You know, people have to do things when they have to do it, but do they really want to do it? I mean, John Rahm just won the Masters, and what do he talk about? I would play golf every day. He, he wins the Masters. He shows up at the, you know, the RBC, and they're like, why? He goes, because I love the game. I would do it if it wasn't a, a tournament. I'd, I'd be playing today anyway. That was me growing up. No, not in golf, but it was me that I, I just loved to play. I loved to compete. I always had to, you know, when there was an eight-year-old baseball team, I, 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 if I was eight-year-old, eight, eight years old, my dad would put me on a nine- and ten-year-old team because he knew I was the run. And I didn't know that, you know, back then you didn't have to show your birth certificate and, and get bloody blood tests and all this other stuff analysis to find out how old you were. They just kind of took the honor system. Well, I was always playing with kids that were older than me. So I was always playing up and I always thought I was behind. So I always thought I had to be able to do better. And I didn't grow up in a world where everybody got a trophy. It was like, you had to, you had to go win it. 
And I think for me, that that overachieving mentality created this perspective that I could be anything I wanted to be. I just had to work really hard. And then a lot of times we look at people who have some form of success, oh, they had it easy. I mean, I had to earn everything I got. I have no coaching in my background. I have no NFL in my background. I have, I had to, I had to do it really a hard way. And um, I, I take a lot of pride in that. And then I've been through some really hard things in my life. You know, I've been divorced. I've lost a child. Uh, there's been a lot of things that have happened that you can stop and you can quit or you can create from that. And you can learn from that. You can grow yourself to be better because of those things that have happened in your life, hence row the boat. So uh, I've always had a great appreciation for learning and a great appreciation for life and all that it has to offer, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because we we all go through it. It's just who can take it and look at it through a different lens that can use it to springboard ahead. You know, it's, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating response. Is any of it, PJ, or is any of this hardwired? Did you enter the world like this in any regard, or did you create all of it and become it? No, I think I was. I, I, my mom used to take me to the hospital when I was a kid and take me to our, you know, our, our physician and be like, listen, there's something wrong with this child. He, he, he's, he's crying all the time. He doesn't sleep. And when he's up, he's just running around. From the minute my feet hit the ground, I ran. So growing up, my mom had me in everything. I mean, I'd leave the house in the morning and I wouldn't come home till late at night uh, from gymnastics to football, to baseball, to basketball, to, to some, I took a pottery class with my sister, uh, like anything to get me out of the house. Um, I, I'd play sports by myself at times, use the trees as receivers. I would take myself through a whole basketball ball game and I won every time because if I missed the last th second three-pointer when I was commentating my own game, I said I was fouled. And then I had to go to the free throw line and make three. And if I, if I missed the free throw, somebody got in the lane. I had an extra shot. So I was constantly having this creative mind to be able to just play. And my message to our team this whole spring ball is I want guys who just love to play. Forget about NIL. Forget about all the other stuff. Just play. Who would play? If we weren't practicing today for two hours, who'd be on that field with their friends throwing the football around for two hours? That's who I want on this team. U.S. Cellular is introducing us mode. You know, it's kind of like airplane mode, but for people. It's a way to set up your phone so it does not get in the way of people really being with each other. Block distractions. Make way for real connections. Give it a try. Visit U.S. Cellular in-store or online, and they'll help set up your phone to us mode free. Even if you're not a customer, built for superior 5G connection and real human connection, U.S. Cellular, built for us. Find out more at uscellular.com slash find us. I was going to say, PJ, before I let you go, I, I love that. How hard is it, though? I, I know there's a selection process, but what you just said, hey, guys, guys, forget about NIL and just play. I mean, it's a great concept. How hard is it to find 40, 50, 70, 100 guys that don't care about NIL, that only want to play? Well, it's getting harder, right? Because we're all influenced by what we see and on social media. Uh, comparisons steal our joy. Um, and I think that, you know, we're, we're putting a lot of value into that. But this is where I send you got to kind of stand on a lot of your moral ground. And I believe in it. I believe in why it's here. I believe in why the transfer portal's here. I believe in NIL. Uh, do I agree with how it's all being used all collectively kind of together? Probably not. But it's our world of college football right now. And that aside, 
I just want people who love their life, you know, have a, a great appreciation for their stamp and their signature on this life and whatever they put forward academically, athletically, socially, and spiritually. I just want their best. I don't want somebody else's best. I don't want somebody else's vision for your life. I want your vision. That's getting harder, but Jim, they're still out there. I mean, right now for the 2024 class, we have 11 commitments, right? And, and this, the, it, it's never been about NIL with them. So it's been about the love of the game and playing the game of football and loving their life academically, athletically, socially, and spiritually. And that's what's so fun is that, you know, we can focus on a lot of things and make a lot of things important. At the end of the day, their life is still the most important thing, not the materialistic value we put on them. So true. I mean, you and I are older, so we understand that. Leave me with this thought, PJ. You mentioned comparison. Is that not the worst thing, the whole comparison game? Like, it just does so much damage, doesn't it? it well, it does. It, I, I think it's a driver, and, and, and you know, and it, and, it, and it can deplete you. I think in a way that if you just compare yourself to others and you wish, you wish, you wish, right, then that'll never happen. It'll steal your joy. Comparisons truly steal your joy. But I can't say that 100% because when I was a kid, I used to look up to Don Beebe. You know, Don Beebe went to my high school. I want to be like Don Beebe. Now, hmm. I didn't want to be Don Beebe, but I wanted to be like Don Beebe. I wanted to be like him. He came from my school. He played for the Buffalo Bills. You know, he ran down Leon Lett. Like, <laughs> this is a guy I wanted to be like. So I still think, like, the comparison of who do you want to, like, emulate? Who do you want to be like? Who do you aspire to be? I think that should always be there. But the comparison that he got this, I should get this. I think that's where our world is, is, is really suffering right now because that's where, you, you know, and let's go off on a, sand, a side note, Jim. Please do. Go no, online, no, go ahead. Go Please do. Media. This is why we have yeah. so many issues, with, I think, with mental health right now is 24-7, our players and our kids and my daughters can go on Instagram or they can go on Twitter or they can see something online and compare themselves not only mentally or emotionally, but physically to people constantly 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 and if that you do that all the time that will infect your mind not affect it but infect it and we got to be really careful with that and you know i think there's just a lot of things that are out there that you know um you know hopefully can get some regulations around it that really for our youth can really help their mental health and their development as people uh, and they can say well everybody should parent better not everybody has a bunch of parents to do that and then we wonder why we're in the position we're in um, so again, there's a, that, that's a sidebar and a side avenue to mental health that, you know, we're for 11 years, I think we've done a heck of a job of, of leading that charge within our program. And, um, it, it's something that needs to be talked about even more, but there's, there's reasons why, uh, we have a lot of the issues we have. And I think a lot of it has to do with that instant comparison and instant judgment and everybody's a journalist and everybody can attack and everybody can bully very different than what we grew up with. Uh, when if you wanted to bully somebody, you had to go up and actually do it to their face. Uh, where now anybody can do it from anywhere, any side, and 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 do it brutally, and there's there's no repercussion from it uh, except the emotions of young people, and I think that's hard. One hundred percent. This is why I posed that question the way I did. That's exactly what I was getting at, PJ. Keyboard warriors, and you're right. That that's a tangent. That's a whole different conversation. But I'm so glad that you and I started that part of the conversation. I can tell. I can tell how much you love this team. It's gonna be really interesting to see what they look like, and I'm eager to see it myself. PJ, what can I say? Another amazing conversation. I've always appreciated the relationship, the friendship, the access. You crushed it once again, and it's so good to have you long for, man. Thank you so much for doing that, PJ. Really means a lot, Jim. Our friendship means a lot too, man. Row the boat, Sky Ma. Go Gophers. Have a great spring.
go ahead and throw this man on our list of undefeateds because PJ brings that energy level every single time. The man always delivers, and today was no different. In fact, he's never been better than he was right there. So my thanks to PJ, as always, for stretching out, making the time, and coming through like the boss that he is. Now, if you're looking for more conversations like that one, we've got more than 260 already recorded, banked, and waiting for a spin. And you can look forward to a brand new app every single week going forward. So if I could get you to track down and smash the subscribe button, that would be absolutely awesome. This way, you never need to go looking for another episode. It will find you every single week. So please consider subscribing, and I will catch you next week right here on the Jim Rohn Podcast with episode 265.